Okay. Okay, 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 okay. You can do this. You know you can. You can do it. Just pick up the phone. Just pick it up. You can do it. I can't do it. Oh, man. Joe, Joe, he's our man. If he can't do it, no one can. Go, Joe. I can do it. <laughs> Frank. <laughs> yeah, Joe here. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, no, didn't forget. Just, uh, <laughs> all right, yeah. Well, I got the, uh, got the numbers right here. Uh-huh. Um, well, they, uh, they, um, hey, uh, Frank, can I put you on hold there for a minute, old buddy? <laughs> yeah, just, just, just gonna throw you on hold there, buddy. Hang on. Right. <laughs> oh. Oh, he's not gonna like this. He's not gonna like this. I, I just, these numbers, they just, they, they don't compute. I, I, I'll lie. That's it. I'll, I'll lie. I'll, I'll just, I'll just, I, I'll make something up until I can get all this balanced out. <laughs> Joe, Joe, be a man. You know lying's not the plan. Stand up straight, stand up tall. Real men walk and never crawl. Well, he's got to hear the truth. <laughs> Frank? <clears throat> yeah, listen, uh, sorry about that. Um, uh, uh, Frank, these, uh, these figures here, they're, um, <laughs> well, they're a little off. <laughs> Oh, I'd say uh, 40, 40, uh, 50, 50, um, 78%. Listen, Frank, about this. Figures. Uh, Frank, 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 <laughs> yeah, that, that, I, that's what I was going to do. Um, right. Okay. All right, Frank. Yeah. Enjoy your cruise. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now I got to call Shirley and tell her I can't take her out tonight like I promised. Oh, man. Shirley, Shirley, what a girl. Five foot five with eyes that swirl. Punch those numbers, give her a ring. She'll understand everything. Go Shirley! Hey, yeah, it's me. Huh? Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> That's what me too means. I mean, you say that, I say me too. It... You know, that's, I, I said me too. I, I can't. Well, honey, I'm at work. Say the words, say them loud. You're in love, you should be proud. Yes, I love you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, listen, I, um... Yeah, I, I, I just got off the phone, the, the phone here with Frank, and uh, yeah, I did. And uh, well, oh, it was it was a little easier than I thought. Well, well, see, that's the thing, sweetheart. He uh, he sort of wants me to work all night. It is. 
that's great. Oh, uh, honey, thank you. <laughs> oh, great. Yes, yes, thank you. Oh, mm, I love you. Yes. All right, see you later. <sighs> well, to work. Yeah, maybe I should order some food. Give me a C! <clears throat> Hello, everybody. Give me a C! this cat? Yeah, sure. But, you know, you added that fat thing, and I thought... <laughs> I, I thought you hated it. No, no, we loved it. Oh. It's great. You're great. Come on, girls. Okay, ready? Okay. Tim, Tim, what a guy. Writes so good, it makes you cry. Writing, acting, comedy king. Just make sure he doesn't sing. Okay. Well, our memory verse this week says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Did you ever wonder what those witnesses look like? They all have little magic uniforms. They're cheering for us. We are talking about what it means to, to be ministers in the everyday world where regular lives are lived and where we perceive things on a regular basis. And and we've, we've talked about what it is to minister at home and at work and, and in our friendships. And, and here, here lately we're talking about leisure. And we're talking about the great deal of time that people spend when it comes to sports and, and how we can minister in sports and what we can learn from sports. And one of the main things that you catch that sports and Christianity have in common is encouragement, cheering. Why do people work so hard, those, uh, those of you who are uh, uh, pro-sports uh, fans, why do you think they work so hard during the season to get home court or home field advantage? It's because of the fans. 
is because when you have the encouragement that you need, it increases your chances for success. I want to tell you that's not only true for pro teams, it's true for churches. It's true for individuals. People need encouragement. And they not only need it from spectators. One of the reasons that, that, that everybody uh, was to get involved this morning is, is, to, is for this. We don't have spectators in a church. We only have those that are involved. We, Christianity doesn't know anything about, about spectators except from non-believers. But if you're a Christian, you're already involved. And that encouragement is so much more value because think of what it's like to get encouragement a, to, for somebody who is, a, who is a great player to say, well done. Who, who is really good at what you're trying to accomplish to say, man, that's fantastic. This, year, this week, or a couple weeks ago, it's been now, uh, in senior staff, uh, Cheryl mentioned that uh, Christy Peters was having a little tough time. She recruits uh, child care uh, folks, and, and it was going pretty rough for her. So she just said, hey, when you see her out in the hallway, just encourage her. And so we, we walked out, and, and she, she was coming down the hall, and there were like three of us going, Christy, you're the woman, way to go, yahoo, we love you, you're great. And she, you know, our eyes roll back in her head. Now, whenever we see each other, when Christy and I passed down the hall, I'll say, Christy, you're the woman, you're so great, you're fantastic, you're doing a great job. She'll look at me and say, Pastor Joel, you're so great, you're doing a great job. And, you know, we got this thing going, and it's kind of hilarious, but you know what? It feels kind of good. I mean, we're just kidding each other, but, it, you know, we keep doing it. And there's probably a reason for that. It's because somebody in the thick of things with you offers very good encouragement. That is very valuable encouragement. And so Christians are to encourage one another because we're in the thick of things together here. Matter of fact, Scripture says exactly that. Our, our text for this morning is Hebrews chapter 10, starting with verse 23, and it says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Now, we just sang, nothing compares with the promise I have in you. I want you to know that our ultimate hope is not in our own ability. It is not in our circumstances. It is not of anything in the world. Our hope is in Christ. And He is the reason that we have. And it says, therefore, let us hold fast to this hope we have without wavering. Because Christ doesn't waver. Christ is faithful. By the way, this is three lettuces in a row in the, in the, in the Greek. And, and, and they are all in the present tense. And in the Greek, that means it's on a continuous and repetitive basis. It's not just every once in a while. It's on a continuous basis. Let's do this on a continuing basis. And then it says in verse uh, 24, and let us consider how to stimulate one another. Now, the word stimulate there, uh, some of you have uh, King James uh, uh, translation that says provoke. That's a much closer uh, word for this. Uh, uh, the Greek word here is uh, paroxysmon, and it means to confront, to get, you know, it's like a coach in somebody's face. I mean, you get done and you just, you, it's not always a pleasant thing. 
Encouragement is not just pleasant. Uh, that's, that's warm fuzzies. And, and, and part of it's warm fuzzies, but part of it's not. And so when it says stimulate one another, it really means provoke one another. It really means pulling somebody up saying, I know you can do this. I mean, getting in their face. Let us stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Now, that, that word encouraging is a form of, of, a, of, a, of a Greek combination, parakaleo. And, and this word, some derivative of this word is used 109 times in the New Testament. You think that's an important word? You bet it is. It also happens to be the word for Holy Spirit, the paraclete. Parakaleo comes from two Greek words, which mean para, alongside, and kaleo, which means to call out. And so it's somebody who comes alongside someone else and calls to them talks to them as they're going. The military imagery is this, that a paraclete would be someone in battle who would go up beside the warrior and would encourage and sustain and refresh them so that the warrior could continue to fight. And that is what a Holy Spirit does. That's what an encourager does. We encourage somebody so that they can continue the battle. And it says... Encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, why do we encourage? Why do we do any of the ministry we do? It's to reveal the character of God. We encourage because God is an encourager. Our job is to extend His nature into the world. That's what salt and light is. It's not about our characteristics. It's about His. How do we know that God is an encourager? Well, it says so in Romans 15, 5. It says, it says all over the Bible. As a matter of fact, you can see this by contrast. The contrast to Satan, you, you can see a picture of Satan in Revelation 12, 10, where it says what Satan does night and day. Revelation 12, 10, it says this. And I heard a loud voice out of the throne saying, a voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ have come. I want you to know that on the cross, all of the opposing forces of the cosmos were defeated. But they weren't finally dealt with. That doesn't come until the judgment day. What we have now is a bunch of wounded, defeated, desperate warriors chief of whom is Satan. Now watch for his character here. Who deceives the whole world, I'm sorry, um, for the accuser of our brother, the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, who accuses them before our God day and night. Now I want you to see that picture of Satan. Whenever you're feeling, gosh, I can't do this. I'm, I'm, I'm just, it's, I'm overwhelmed. I just, I'm just, I'm just not fit for this. I want you to know that's Satan. He accuses you. His job is to discourage you. And when you, whenever you don't know what a specific problem is, you can, I guarantee you that's Satan. Because when the Holy Spirit confronts you, when the Holy Spirit convicts you, you know exactly what it's about. And you know how to deal with it and you know what you have to do. 
So the accuser is all foggy, but he, he spends day and night accusing us before the throne. Now, if you look in Hebrews chapter 7, 25, you'll see just the opposite picture of Christ. It says this, Hence also he, this is Jesus Christ, is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So the character of Christ is to intercede for us. That is to present us in the best possible light and to be for us. Now, God has woven that dynamic into this universe. Everybody does better with encouragement. And every time we see something in special revelation, we can spot it in general revelation because it works even for people that don't believe. As a matter of fact, just a couple, just a couple of examples. Some of you are in education, studied in, in Education 101, something called the Pygmalion Effect. That is, in 1964, um, um, there was an experiment done by a couple of guys from Harvard in a, uh, in a classroom. And, and they went in and told this teacher in this, uh, uh, of this incoming class that there were a group of these kids who had these special abilities, and they, had, they, they were just late bloomers, and they, and they didn't know what they had, but they had incredible potential. Somehow, and, but not to tell anybody, but just to be, be aware of that. And somehow, those teachers communicated that encouragement to those kids. And at the end of the school year, their IQ scores were so much higher did the same thing for the other part of the class and with another teacher um, uh, in another year. And those IQ scores and those capabilities, those scholastic capabilities rose. You see, encouragement works with intellect. Encouragement even works with physiology. Some of you who have faced devastating experiences know the, the writings of Norman Cousins, Anatomy of an Illness, uh, uh, Biology of Hope. Uh, healing the wounded heart. Some of you know the writings of Bernie Siegel. He, he writes along the same lines. Uh, and, and they say both the same thing. A patient who is facing a catastrophic illness will always do better when they concentrate on hope and when they, when they are encouraged to participate in their own healing. Always. So there is a physiological effect to encouragement. So if something can increase intellect and physiological capability, how important is it? It's important for us to do that because it is the nature of God and He has woven it into the universe, and so therefore we need to be encouragers. Now how can we do that in a very practical way? Well, there are a myriad of ways. I'm just going to name a few of them for you this morning just to go through Scripture and point out a few. First of all, there's the kind of encouragement that Barnabas did. Acts chapter 9, Barnabas was kind of an intercessor for several characters in the New Testament, one of whom was Saul. You remember Saul before he became Paul? He was a persecutor of the church. And right after he was a persecutor of the church, he had his Damascus experience. He went and wanted to join up with the Christians. Well, the Christians looked at him and said, man, this guy's been killing us. He's been throwing us in jail. We're going to include this guy? And it says in Acts chapter 9, verse 27, but Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he, had been, how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked to him 
and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. In other words, there was someone here who interceded for another person. I want you to think. Who could I present in the best possible light? Who's in my life right now that I could put a good word in for? Who is there in my life that I could present to people that don't know them as well as I do in a very good light? Now watch. I want you to see, also see intercession not only happens in a good and, and friendly way out there, but it also happens, remember that word, uh, paroxysmon? Where it also happens, we also get interceded at. That not only does Jesus intercede for us on the throne, but through the Holy Spirit convicting us of sin, He intercedes at us. And so, so this intercession is not always a very uh, 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 wonderful friend. Let me give you an example. My, my mother, when I was growing up, she was a rough character boy. My mother um, never quite Christianized her language or, or even her thought pattern. But... but but when she presented me to the public, if somebody started talking about Joey Hunter, boy, you got, she absolutely, I used to listen to her when she didn't know I was listening. And she would just name my attributes, brag on me. She was so proud of me that people had to get tired of hearing her. But watch this. When I was in high school and I came home and had been elected to some sort of office or got some sort of award, I'd just kind of strut in the house, you know. Say, Mom, guess what happened? And uh, she'd say, what? I'd say, president of the class. <laughs> and Mom would go, well, that's really great, isn't it? i say, yeah, it's pretty great. And she'd stop me dead in my tracks. She'd say, well, you just think you're king crap, don't you? <laughs> Only she didn't use the word crap. <laughs> I'm, I'm cleaning it up for you here. Not to say, well, that's how things are going pretty good. She said, let me tell you something, Buster. You ain't even regular crap around here. She said, I guess they didn't look at your room when they elected you, did they? <laughs> I guess they didn't, they didn't study your study habits when they elected you, did they? No, sir. Well, let me tell you what you ought to do, King Crap. You ought to take out the trash. Trash needs to be taken out right now. <laughs> so I'd have to take out the trash, you know? Well, here's what mom was doing. Mom was doing exactly what God does, only not with that language. <laughs> but she was saying, yeah, that's cool, but look at what you've got to do yet in order to live up to who God made you to be. You see? And that's what we can do for others. We can always brag on them, but for those we love, we can say, you know what, boy? You can still do this better. Yeah. So intercede for them and intercede at them. And then there's, then there's the minimize areas that are people's natural insecurities. Do you know if Satan has been defeated, then there is no way he can, get, he can win against you. All he can do is get you to defeat yourself. Satan is a liar. And Satan is a deceiver. And all he can do is really get you to give up on yourself and give up on each other. That's all he can do. Now... If that's true, then we've got to understand that the things that will defeat, defeat us are our natural insecurities, and what we can do for each other is we can minimize those natural insecurities. It's not that those insecurities have no basis, but we can treat them as not important. Look at what Paul did for Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4, it says in verse 12, 
he knew that his young um, pastor at this, at this church um, at Ephesus, such all-important church, had, it was insecure because he was so young. And Paul said this, Let no one look down on you for your youthfulness, but rather in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity, show yourself as an example of all who believe. In other words, I know you believe, you're, you're, you're young, but, but look at what you can do. Can't do anything about your youth. Look at what you can do. And that's what we can do for each other. I know, maybe even, maybe it's a, I know you messed up here. I know you haven't got this quite down. But look at what you can do. Minimize those areas of natural insecurity so that people can keep on after they've messed up. I love the story about John Imlay. John Imlay was just kind of a paunchy, um, still is. Uh, he was for a while the chairman of the board at Dun & Bradstreet uh, Software uh, Division. And they had an office in London as well as other parts of the world. And one uh, time John uh, uh, was uh, over in the London office. And, of course, they give these guys cars when they're out uh, going around. And his car was kind of sputtering. So he came into the office one day. And it's a huge office building. And uh, his car was sputtering. So he calls up this guy who knows the administration, Henry. He says, Henry, my car's kind of sputtering. Can you do something about it? I know we got some down in the motor pool. And Henry said, look, I, John, I'm a senior vice president. Now, I haven't done this for you. I don't know anything more than you do. He said, I'll tell you what you can do, though. You, I mean, you draw, uh, punch in 3138 and just talk to the motor pool you, yourself. Tell them what you need. And so John said, okay. And he thought kind of funny the chairman of the board would do that. But he punches in the 3138. And this voice, this is a true story. This voice, this young, enthusiastic voice answers on the other end. Motor pool! And, and John Emily says, uh, uh, well, I, what do you got down there? He says, man, we got everything. We can take care of every need. I tell you, we, we, got, we got limos that, that go from the airport here, and we got, we've got, uh, or they call them lorries over there. Uh, we've got uh, these executive uh, wagons that go from, uh, from the, 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 the office building to the factory. Uh, we've got Oldsmobiles uh, and Pontiacs for the vice presidents. We've got a big old Cadillac for the big old president. And we've got, and I tell you what, we've even got a Mercedes out there somewhere carrying around our fat chairman. <laughs> John Emily says, do you know who this is? And this voice says, no. She said, he says, this is John Emily, uh, Emily Jr., the chairman of the board. Pause. Finally, this young voice comes over and says, well, do you know who this is? And he says, no. He says, good. So long, fatty. <laughs> well, you know, you just got to keep on keeping on. That's, it's not, everybody's going to make mistakes. Do you understand that? We got to understand that. Everybody's going to make mistakes. And when you do, you got to keep on keeping on. You just got, you got, you got to, you've got to diminish or, 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 or diminutize those areas that are going to give you insecurities, and you just got to go with what you got. And, and then there is the coming alongside. This is very important. I, I, I'm running into time problems here, but, but this, let me tell you just two more things. First of all, you've got to understand how important it is while people are operating in the realm of experience that you do, 
that they get immediate encouragement from you. People can't wait for, for Sunday morning. People can't wait to get out their, their car to put in a motivational tape. People need it right then from people who know them. And, how, and, and when, the, when the Bible describes the Holy Spirit, that's the one who comes alongside during the battle, in the midst of the battle, and calls out. And so that's our job. In, in John 14, 26, it, it talks about the, the comforter, but, it, but the literal term is parakletos, the one who comes alongside in the midst of the battle. Comforter in Latin means with strength. Com means with and fortis is strength means with strength. So you're the ones that are delivered to those people to give them strength. When I was in seminary, man, I led, I, led, I was converted late in life. Uh, well, I mean, in my 20s. Uh, but, but when I got called into ministry, I literally, I thought this has got to be a wrong number because I, I can't, you know, I, who am I? And so I went, with, I went to, the, to the seminary with this giant uh, inferiority complex. And I thought, it's only going to take these guys about five minutes to look into my background. Then I'm out. Well, nobody looked into my background. So I felt, so I'm going in, you know, more and more uh, unsure. And I'm looking at all these theological giants. I'm, boy, I'm no, and, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm thinking of my background. How I came from such a, a, a high church. And there was Dr. Shoemaker with all these flowing robes. And you've heard me describe my church. I mean, every lady had beautiful fruit hats and and. <laughs> And all the guys had pinstripe suits, and I thought, who am I? What is this deal? But let me tell you what kept me in seminary. Very often what kept me in seminary, what kept me from dropping out when I got discouraged, I would get a letter once a month from the janitors of my home church. Now, these were, these were the poor people. They couldn't, they couldn't dress as nice as anybody else, but they just loved Jesus and they just grinned at, be, at the prospect of being a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. They just loved that. And every month they'd send me a little note. Dear Joey, we just want you to know we believe in you. And send me a check for $5. They couldn't afford $5. I mean, $5 wasn't, $5 is nothing now. It was nothing then. But it was money they didn't have. And they sent that to me. And I'd get that thing and I'd say, Boy, if the trouts have confidence in me, i got to do this. It means so much to people. When you come along, you just say, I believe in you. I know you're, I know you're struggling right now, and you don't believe in I believe in you. It means, you know why? Because people are lined up waiting to hear that. One more story. And then we're going to do a song. You're going to love this song. <laughs> when I first went to college, I've told some of you this before, but whenever I think of encouragement, this is what I think of. When I first went to college, there was a, there was a cafeteria that we ate in, and Wilson Dormitory was a, was a girl's dormitory, and James Hall was a boy's dormitory, and, and, and Grosvenor Hall was in the middle of that, had a cafeteria. And when we first got there, we all just went in. There were two serving lines, and we all just went into the one nearest our dormitory. Um, but a couple weeks into it, I noticed that one line was getting longer. And so I'd always just always go to the short line. Man, I was hungry. You know, why would you stand in a long line? I kept thinking, why are they standing in a long line? This is on shorter. And, and so I'd just go. And, and, but I'd go in every day, and that line kept getting longer, and my line kept getting shorter. I thought, well, those guys are fools, man. But then you get curious, you know? Why would people intentionally stand in a long line? So I, so I went in there. 
outside exit door to see that they were, if they were being served the same food we were. I thought maybe they get better food in there. Maybe they get some extras. Well, no, it's the same exact thing. Well, pff, man, I went back in my line. Just, you know, came out, ate. Well, one day I was so curious. I mean, the line just kept growing longer and, and mine kept going shorter and shorter. I thought, I'm just going to go stand in that line. You know, I'm not going to start to death. I'm going to go stand in that line. I came through the door when I finally got up there. And here's the meat man. Steve was his name. Never forget him as long as I live. And he was greeting every person as they came up to get their meat. He'd say, how's it going today? Oh, and here's, here's, here's a little freshman uh, about three, or, you know, maybe a couple of months now into it. And, and wanted to say, oh, okay. And, and, and Steve would go, boy, all this is new. And I mean, it's kind of tough being away from home. Yeah. And he'd say, you know what? You can do this. I, I remember feeling the exact same way. But once you get past it, it's going to be great. It's going to, you're going to do great. Here, I'm going to give you a big steak. Here, here take that. Thanks. <laughs> Another one come through the door. How's it going, beautiful? Oh, she, my boyfriend just broke up with me. Oh, Stephen, that hurts so bad. I know I've been through it. Oh, I've gotten, oh, it's a, but what kind of an idiot is this guy? You're beautiful. Man, he just, listen, he just ruined his life. He doesn't know, he ruined his life. There are going to be people just calling you up. Can't wait to get with you because you're just gorgeous. Thank you. <laughs> they say, how's it, how's it go? I got a test tomorrow. I'm really, oh, I know, Tesla, they're the pits, they're the pits. You know what? You're going to do great. You're going to do fantastic. The thing was, I loved that so much, I got a job as the vegetable man just so I could stand by the sky. <laughs> You know what I learned from Steve? Man does not live by bread alone. <laughs> there are people lined up who need your encouragement. There are churches lined up that need our encouragement. That's why we're going to be a distributed church and pour our resources into people that are beginning to doubt whether or not God has a use for them. But what we've got to say every time is, keep on. You've got to keep on. Pray with me. God, thanks for being our encourager, our intercessor, Jesus. Thank you for loving us enough to accept us as we are and loving us enough not to keep us being the same way we are, but calling us to the full stature and maturity of who you are, Jesus. And we just pray that not only would you encourage us through the Holy Spirit, but you would encourage us through each other. And you would make us encouragers of those who are fighting the battle right now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.